Amen. Genesis twenty two seventeen. We're going to be real text heavy today uh, in the word of God. I believe there is a word from the Lord. Also grab Luke chapter number seven, verse number 17. Genesis chapter 22. I feel like I hadn't preached in a long time. It's, it's amen. It feel, feel like it's been a minute. Amen. I think I only missed one week, huh? It just feels like it's been forever. Hallelujah. I'm about to shake some rust off. Hallelujah. Amen. I won't be like a helicopter today. I won't launch off. I'm going to have to be like an airplane on a long runway. We're just going to climb on in there. Genesis chapter number 22, Luke chapter number 7. If you would, stand to your feet for the reading of God's word on tonight. We're going to forgo for the sake of time our faith declaration on this evening. Genesis chapter number 22, verse number 17 is where we begin reading. Genesis twenty two seventeen. If you have it, say, I have it. If you're still looking, say, I'm looking. Oh, one looker. Amen. I guess we can wait for one. Somebody shout one. That's going to be very important tonight, what you just said. So shout it again, one. One is a powerful number. One is a powerful number in the kingdom of God. It only takes one in the kingdom. In the natural, it takes many. But in the kingdom of God, it only takes one. God says he looks to and fro through all the earth. If he could just find, somebody shout one. God is just looking for one. Just one. If he could just find one. Oh, God, I feel the Holy Ghost already. So, 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 Abraham, Abraham, before we get to the text, I just felt this in my spirit. He said, Lord, if you could find 50 righteous, would you spare the city? And, and you know the context of the scripture. It goes down and Abraham negotiates with God all the way down. He says, if you could find one righteous, somebody shout one, would you spare the city? If you could find one in the whole city that is righteous, would you spare the city? Somebody shout one. You know, God will spare our city if there's one righteous. You, you know, I really believe that Hurricane Ida had an agenda to destroy, to, uh, to annihilate Louisiana. But because there was one, because there was one righteous. Now, now I know there are many, but, but God says, if I could just find one, that's enough. And, and she only tiptoed through. And knock some stuff over. Now, I don't want to diminish the disaster or take away or demoralize anyone's uh, trials and tribulations through Ida, but, but it could have been worse. Amen. Ah, Genesis 22, let's go to the word of God. Thank you, Holy Ghost. I will surely bless you and make you descendants, your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. When verse number 17 and as the sand on the seashore, boy, say that five times, <laughs> sand on the seashore, your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offsprings, all nations, somebody shout all nations, all nations, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Because you have obeyed me. 
Wow. All nations are going to be blessed through one person's obedience. That the whole world will be blessed because one person decided to obey. Somebody shout, I'm the one. Your family is going to be blessed because of your obedience. Generations beyond you are going to be blessed because of your obedience. Your neighborhood is going to be blessed because of your obedience. Your job is going to be blessed because of your obedience. Your unborn children will be blessed because of your obedience. Because of one. Jump over to Luke chapter number seven, verse number 17. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. John's disciple told him about all these things. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, are you the one? Somebody shout one. One. (laughs) John asked the question, are you the one? He heard all the miracle signs and wonders and all the great things Jesus was doing. And John the Baptist at this time is in jail waiting to be beheaded. Now, could you imagine preaching the gospel, serving God with all your heart and all your might? You get locked up for just preaching the gospel. You can understand why John is in a tizzy and a frenzy at this moment, because he's declaring the kingdom of God is coming and he's declaring that the Messiah is at hand. And because of his preaching and teaching and declarations, he get locked up, but not just locked up, because I think we can endure a little time in prison, but he's sentenced to death. They're about to behead him. A gruesome death. Head cut off. So he asked this question. Like many of us who go through tests and trials while we're going through, we're wondering, God, are you the one? (laughs) Should I still believe? Should I still pray? Should I still fast? Because I'm going through all of this and you hadn't moved yet. And he says, are you the one? Who is to come or should we expect someone else? When the men came to Jesus, they said, John, the Baptist sent us to you to ask, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. Tell him everything. Tell him that the blind receive sight, the lame walk, and those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised. Good God Almighty. You know, men preach in sanctuaries, but Jesus preaching graveyards. (laughs) Oh, God. Men preach in sanctuaries, but Jesus preached in cemeteries. And the dead are raised and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Before you're seated, hear this. One of the craziest things, expecting something from someone who has nothing to give. Y'all didn't catch that. One of the craziest things is expecting something from someone who have nothing to give. But we got a God who has everything. And yet he gave everything just for you. Father, now in the name of Jesus, we thank you that the one bled, died, and hung high. 
He gave his life for us so that the world would be blessed. We thank you for the life that he gave. So the life that we can now live, we can live in him. It's in Jesus' mighty name. We do pray. Somebody say amen. 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 Before you see that, ask your neighbor, are you the one? You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. I was in Starbucks several weeks ago, about a month and a half, two months ago. And while I'm sitting in Starbucks, I'm waiting on my order. I uh, pull out my laptop, and as I'm sitting there, I'm just kind of going over some things. This gentleman walks in, very tall gentleman, a white guy. And he looks at me, and he said, he asked me, he said, are you, and I forget who was, uh, Cecil. He said, Cecil, are you Cecil? And I said, no, uh, I'm not. So he goes to the next table and to the next gentleman that was sitting next to me, and he asked him, he said, are you Cecil? And the guy says, no, I'm not, and puts his headphones back on. and He goes all throughout the coffee shop looking for Cecil. And as I'm sitting there, um, Cecil walks in as the guy is on the opposite side of the coffee shop, Cecil comes in and sits at the table adjacent to me. And by this time, the gentleman makes his rounds back to where we were. And he looks up and he says, you must be Cecil. The guy says, yes, I'm Cecil. And he sits down and they begin to have conversations and whatnot. So, of course, being the person that I am. Yeah. I joined in the conversation. I mean, right, why not? I mean, you invited me into the conversation by the simple fact that you were wondering who I was. And just because I was not who you wanted me to be doesn't mean that I wasn't somebody. Y'all catch that on the way home. Sometimes people will be looking for you and they, uh, they may assume you to be somebody else, but that doesn't mean that you're not somebody. Uh, just just because you don't have the stature, the makeup and all of the build qualities that they're looking for doesn't mean that you're not the one. Somebody shout, I'm the one. Yeah, they may overlook you. They may step over you. Oh, I hear David talking out in the backfield, in the wilderness, tending to sheep while his brothers are celebrating the moment of somebody being elevated while he is overlooked in the field. But he was the one. It's my shot on the one. And, and he he sat down and they had this conversation. So I decided to enter the conversation with them uh, with the hopes of. As always, and Tina was in my message earlier with the opportunity of introducing the kingdom of God to him. Right. I may not have been the one you were looking for at that moment, but I'm the one you're in need of. Oh, yeah, because because see, really, the world has need of you. And out of your obedience, as the text says, the world to be blessed. So the world is waiting on a blessing, but they won't receive the blessing until you obey. Ah, the, the reason why we're going through all that we're going through, watch, it is not Corona, it is not the government, it is not even Satan. It's a lack of obedience. We're wondering why this world is in so much chaos and turmoil. It's because the people of God won't obey God. 
We're wondering why there's death, murder, and mayhem happening and running so rampant throughout our city. It is because of a lack of obedience. Because we won't simply obey. Tell your neighbor, just obey. It, it is simple as that because if we're obedient to the voice of God, to the will of God, I, I think uh, Dr. Brown on Sunday, she talked about the will, the potter's will, but not just the potter's will, the W-H-E-E-L, but the W-I-L-L, the will of God, that if we would stay in the will or on the will of God, then we'll see the manifestation of God's blessings and his promises and his grandeur and his glory. When we simply obey, the toughest thing that you'll find in life is to obey. One of your most difficult tasks that you will ever be assigned in life is just to obey. Just to comply with the will of God. And each of us, I'm included in that is that we've heard the voice of God, we know the word of God, but we still find ourselves in disobedience to the word. Oh, yeah, we know the word. It's not enough to know the word. The question is, is will you obey the word? Are you willing to obey? Because God's word is settled. He's just looking for somebody to just go along with what his word says. Hallelujah. So I want to talk to you real briefly tonight. Simple topic, won't be long. One. Just one. Matthew chapter number 24, verse number 32. It says, now learn this lesson from the fig tree as soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out. You know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near right at your door. Truly, I tell you, just this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven nor the son, but only the father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the son of man. For in those days before the flood, the people, somebody shout the people. People were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Up to that day, Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them away. That is how it is to be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men. Somebody shout two. Two Two men will be in the field, but one will be taken and the other left. Somebody shout one. one. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill and one will be taken. Somebody shout one. And the other Left. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. Tell your neighbor, get an understanding. Yeah, yeah, you got to understand this. Uh, he says, 
take an understanding. In other words, you have to stand under this. To stand under. Understand. There has to be a stance that you have to take with the word of God. And that stand is you have to be up under the word. Hallelujah. It's not enough just to stand on the word, but you have to stand under the word. So you stand on the word and you stand under the word. So watch this. You're now sandwiched between the word. God, that's good. That's good. So so now you're covered from from your head to your toe. You, You stand under the word. The pressure of the word comes upon you. Ah, see, a lot of times we don't want to stand under the word because it's too much weight. That's why we put the word down. That's why we get so sleepy while we're reading the word, because the pressure of standing under the word of really watch this, obeying the word is too much. So we choose not to read because we know that what you know, you now must obey. It's better for you not to know than for you to know, because that which you know, you have to obey. Hallelujah. Y'all ain't going to like this tonight. So we have to have an understanding. We have to stand under the word, and it's the pressure of the word. Watch this. That changes our lives. Hear that. It is the weight of the word that presses down. We're in the wine press of the word, the olive press. And watch, the olive, in order to get what's on the inside to extract the nutrients and the good stuff, it must be pressed. You can't even have the anointing oil unless it's pressed. What's on the inside of you won't come out of you unless you're pressed. So as you're standing under the word, the word brings pressure. Somebody shall bring the pressure. It, yeah, every time you read the word, you ought to say, Lord, give it to me, Lord. Give it to me. Give me the pressure, Lord. It's because it is at the interest of God's word. The pressure comes and that's where the transformation happens. It is a piece of coal under the press. The pressure. That produced diamonds. Now, a piece of coal has no value in and of itself. Has no worth. But when it's under the pressure. God, a clam produces pearls, but a clam itself has no value. But under the pressure of the irritation of the sand, pearls are formed. So what I'm saying to you tonight, it is the word of God that brings pressure into your life to dig up and to pull up the treasures God has deposited on the inside of you. That's why when we get in the word, the word begins to add value to us. Why? Because of the pressure. That's why we got to make sure we stay up under the word. Are y'all with me thus far? But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have left or let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready. Somebody shout, I'm ready. ready. Tell your neighbor, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Oh, you didn't say it right. Put your T.D. Jakes voice on. Say, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. You must be ready, but the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. But who then is faithful and wise servant, whom the master has put in charge 
of the servants in his household to give them their food at, watch this, their proper time. I want to take my time through this because he says, who is the wise servant that the master has placed in charge to give the servants their food at proper time? That's why it's so important. Not only do we stay up under the word, but we have to stay up under covering. Because it is the servant of God who gives the nutrients, the food necessary at the proper time. That's why you got to make sure you're in Bible study on Tuesday. Hallelujah. That's why you got to make sure you make it to the house of God on Sunday. Why? So you can get your food at the proper time. Oh, y'all quiet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because without that, you don't have the necessities to sustain life. Yes, you can read on your own. Yes, you can study and you should study on your own. You must study and show yourself approved. A workman. So, but, but it's not enough just to study on your own. But there are spiritual nuggets that God wants to drop in your lap at that certain time. Oh, God. At that proper time. It is at which time when you come into the house of God, everything you've been studying, everything you've been reading all comes together as one at the proper time. It, it, it is it is the combination or the culmination of what the spirit of God does with you while you're at home and what God does with the spiritual head of the house. And when it comes together, it's now at the proper time. It all comes together like that. Yeah. Y'all ever been there where you were reading something you got in the house of God and everything you read was in confirmation? You're like, I just, that is the proper time because now it's at that culmination when that happens. God says that's the proper time for food. That is the, the, the substance that you need to grow on. That's the thing that you need to meditate on because watch what the enemy does is the enemy will throw you snacks all day long and you'll get filled on snacks and you'll start chasing rabbits down rabbit holes and you'll be like, oh, this is a word from God. And it really is God's word, but it's not God's word for the proper time. So now you're chasing rabbit holes and you're down here and you, you the, the devil done hoodwinked you, bamboozled you, and led you astray on a word. Because you know Satan knows God's word. And he'll have you studying stuff that has nothing to do with your purpose, your destiny, or your plan, or watch, or the will of God for your life. And you'll be all off on it. And years later, you'll be like, I, I got a word from God. And you're going to spend all your time studying stuff that had nothing to do with your purpose. <laughs> but it's when the confirmation and the culmination of those things come together. That's the thing God wants to speak to. That's the proper time. It's like, oh, that's the thing that, that watch this. You just eat a little nugget and be full. Right. <laughs> You'll be like, man, this is it. And watch, it is that one little nugget that will sustain you for the rest of your life. That one word that you get at that moment, at that proper time, will be the nourishment that you need that will take you from here to there and everywhere off that one thing. Why? It is because it is the proper time. It's God's timing. Can you say amen to that? That's why it's important. Not only do you stand under the word, 
but you stand under the covering and you make sure you get in because it's that proper time. God is going to give you the food that you need. That's that manna, that bread from heaven. And watch, it is that bread from heaven. God gives you just enough. That's all you need, just enough. Don't take more than what you need. For tomorrow is going to spoil. Yeah, y'all quiet. You know, the children of Israel, when he rained down manna in the wilderness, he said, only get what you need for that day. Lord, give us our what? Da- give me what I need for that day at that proper time. He said, at that proper time, I'm going to give you what you need for the day. And that'll be enough to fill you up. Can you say amen to that? Verse number 46, and it would be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Can I tell you something? What God said still stands. <laughs> yeah. What God said in the beginning is the same thing God means in the end. It ain't going to change. It ain't going to. I know it ain't proper English, but I'm going to say it again. It ain't going to change. What God said still stands. What he said in the beginning is what shall be in the middle and even at the end. That's what he said of Aaron. He said when the anointing oil flows from Aaron's beard all the way down to the garment, the same that hits the head should be the same at the bottom. Hallelujah. What God said still stands. Here's some reflection points. Number one, what he said shall come to pass. You got to hold on to that. I was talking with a gentleman who made a decision to obey God. He moved from one place to the next, and now he's in this next place. Somebody shout the next. You know, it's so important that you trust God even with your next I I don't care where you end up in life. If you obey God, you have to trust him with the next. Well, what does that look like? God, I don't know what the next is, but whatever it is, I trust you. And and if I obey you with the next and I follow your will with the next, no matter what happens in the next, I'm still trusting you. This gentleman decided to move from one place to the next. And now he's in his next and he's wondering, God, did I make the right decision? I said, bro, was it God for you to do it? You said God led you to the next place. So if it was the God that you obeyed that said go, then even when you get to the next, if it don't happen like you expect it to happen, you still have to trust God. Even if you don't get the job. Even if you have to sleep in your car. Even if you have to go on a force fast. Y'all know what a force fast is, huh? (laughs) You ain't got no money. (laughs) You ain't got no food. And no choice but to fast. You might as well go ahead and declare a fast. You might as well say, Lord, I'm fasting. Uh, God, I'm going to sacrifice this to you. (laughs) You ain't got nothing to eat anyway, so you might as well just declare a fast. It, It don't matter. Because if you obeyed God, And going into the next, then whatever the next is, you have to trust God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because if God led you to it, he'll bring you through it. 
And that's that's the hard part here again, because in that obedience to trusting God, when God says go to the next, that next may be something that you like. Ah, this this is the devil. Like get on the roof. And working in the rain. You know, the Bible says it's better for a man to be on a hot roof than to be in a house with a I'm a little alone. Thank God I'm on the roof. Yeah. Amen. So you gotta trust God. Take your name and trust God. You will take the roof. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So what he said shall come to pass. So that's the important part of this text is, is that the nations will be blessed through one person's obedience. Because when you obey God and if God said it, then you have to obey it because what he said shall come to pass. Right. If he said that you're going to be healed. Even if you got to go through chemo. If he said you're going to be healed, then guess what? What he said shall come to pass. Everything in between here and there, everything that happens in between is really nebulous. It's, it's, it's really it's just part of the process. You just got to go through it. But here's the thing. When Jesus told the disciples on the boat, he said, I'll see you on the other side. But on the other side between where they were and on the other side was a storm. He didn't tell them, hey, I'm going to see you on the side. But before you get there, there's going to be a storm. What he said was, I'm going to see you on the. So no matter what storm you go through to get to the other side, you got to know that what God said shall come to pass. I'm going to see you on the. Y'all not helping me preach up in here yet. So if you got to go through the test, the trials, the tribulations, the persecution and all of that, whatever you got to go through, like John the Baptist, should we find another? I'm about to get my head cut off. Don't worry about that, John. Hear what I'm saying. You, The blind eyes have seen, the dead have raised, the lame have walked, the mute have talked, the deaf hear. Hear this, John. I am the resurrection of life. Even if you get your head cut off, John, I'm going to see you on the other side. Why are you looking for another? I'm the one. I'm going to see you on the. What God said shall come to pass. I don't care what you got to go through in life. I don't know what I don't know what you're going through now. But what God said over your life. Shall come to pass. That's why you got to stand under the word and stay up under covering, because the moment you remove yourself from under the covers, you're no longer covered. talking with a lady and she asked me this question about we were talking about tithing and she said I know we're supposed to tithe but what about the blessing the tithe to bring a blessing on your life I mean I'm sorry she said what about the curse you know the Bible says that you know God will bless you with a blessing and he'll curse you with the curse and she said what about that what if what if I don't tithe what about the curse First thing that came to mind is, why are you worried about the curse? You should be holding on to the promise, the blessing. You know, so often we just look at the negative aspect instead of the positive aspect. I mean, if God said I'm, I'm blessed, then guess what? I would prefer to be blessed and cursed. 
Hallelujah. She said, but what about, she said, would, would God curse me if I don't do? Here's the thing. God is not looking to get after you. God is not looking to punish you when you do wrong. You know what the curse is? You know, you, you know, in, on the aspect of, of a curse, a curse is that somebody curse you for hurt, harm, and danger to come on you. Right? They will curse you, hex you, and say, I, I wish you die, or I wish your leg fall off. Something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Something. God is not looking to curse you in that manner. God does not wish evil or hurt, harm, or danger on nobody. You know what the curse is? The curse is the removing of the covering. God says, you know what? You don't want to obey? I'm out. You ever watch the shark, the uh, television show called Shark Tank? Shark Tank? Shark Tank. Not, not the baby shark. Baby shark. Not that one. Yeah, the entrepreneurs. Shark Tank. You know, when they, begin, when they begin to negotiate and they don't come to agreement, I'm out. When, when, when they can't come on the right terms together to come into agreement, the sharks go, I'm out. But what God says is that the curse that you will have is that if you don't obey me, I'm out. Since you don't want to come to my terms and my agreement, what I have settled for your life, what I say what's right for your life, to do what's best for your life, I'm out. I'm, I'll be here, but I'm out. And God will just sit here and he'll just be like, I would never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be right here, but you're on your own strength right now, bro. <laughs> right, right now, it's, it's, it's on you. Because you don't want to obey, then, and I'll be here. I won't leave you or forsake you. I'll go with you, and I'll watch over you. I'm looking at you in your disobedience. I'm, I'm still there looking over you, but because you don't want to stand under my word and stay under covering, I'm, I'm just there. I still love you. It's not that I don't love you. I love you. I love you enough to watch this to let you do what you want to do. Oh, God. Well, that's some love that we don't even talk about, that God loves you enough to let you and allow you to do what you want to do. That's some serious love. That he'll allow you, watch this, not as a permissive will. God will allow you in the sense of I'm going to remove myself out the situation so that you can have your way. I love you that much not to step on your toes or to strong arm you to force you to do what I want you to do. That's some serious love. Even at the even for the sake of you losing your own life. That's some serious love. Then I'll let you stick a needle in your arm because that's what you want to do. I love you that much just to. If that's what you want, I love you too much to just try to strong arm you not to let you do it. That's some serious love right there. If you want to make that decision for your life, I love you that much that I won't even press you to do something. That's some serious love. Hmm. What God said shall come to pass. What he said 
what he said will happen when it's supposed to happen. Boy, that's good. What God said will happen when it's supposed to happen. Jesus said this to John. John, no man know the day nor the hour, but know this. When it's supposed to happen, it's going to happen. I don't know the exact moment. I don't know the day. I don't know the hour. I don't know the minute nor the second. But I do know this. When it's supposed to happen, it's going to happen. When it's going to happen, I don't know, but I know this. When it's going to happen, it's going to happen when it's supposed to happen. What am I saying to you tonight? The thing God wants to do in your life, you may not know when it happens. Trust God until it happens, because when it happens, it's going to happen when it's supposed to happen. When you get the house, you will get the house when you're supposed to get the house. When you get the spouse, you will get the spouse when you're supposed to get the spouse. When you get the job, you're going to get the job when you're supposed to get the job. When you get the car, you'll get the car when you're supposed to get. Watch this. Even when it comes down to your salvation, you're going to get saved when you're supposed to get saved. Ah, oh, God, it ain't got nothing to do with you. It ain't got nothing to do with who your family is and what your last name is. The Bible says none come lest the spirit of God you got saved right when you're supposed to get saved. <laughs> you got saved right when you're supposed to get saved. Why? Because the spirit of God drew you in right at that moment. Why? You know why? It's because God pulls you in at that moment for the purpose of his kingdom's sake. Because he knew drawing you in at this moment, not early on, because early on when you were supposed to get or when you thought about getting saved, it wasn't the right time. Because at that time, the people who you were supposed to reach at that time wasn't ready. Y'all was not hearing me. They, they weren't ready to hear your testimony, to be touched by the spirit of God. So God saved you at this moment. God birthed you into this earth realm in this season because God needs you in this generation. You could have been born 400 years from now or before now. God didn't need you 400 years from this point. He needed you right now. Somebody shout, I'm the one. God needed you at this moment. You got saved for a purpose at this moment. He saved you at this very moment for a purpose. Why? Because he knew that he could trust you with the kingdom of God, that you would be a vessel, be the one that would proclaim the kingdom no matter where you go. So it's going to happen when it's supposed to happen. Don't sit around and question God when. Just say, God, it's going to happen when it's supposed to happen. It's going to happen when it's supposed to happen because it happens at that time. Because it all fits. I love what Evangelist Tiffany said when she talked uh, in her exhortation on Sunday about putting the pieces of the puzzle together. It all comes together at the right time. Oh, God, that's good news. Everything that happens comes together at the right time in God's timing. Everything comes together at the right time. Can you say amen? Um, What he said, hear this. He expects you to obey. What God said, he expects you to obey. If my whole message tonight, you catch nothing but this one point right now. What God said, he expects you to obey. If you don't take anything else home tonight from this spiritual smorgasbord of feast of buffet, (laughs) take this home. 
what God said, he simply expects you to obey. Your life will be a whole lot simpler from this one principle. Just obey. Just obey. If God said it, obey it. Just obey. Can I tell you something? Delayed obedience is still disobedience. I'll say that again in case you missed it. Delayed obedience equals disobedience. It is the same thing. If you wait to obey, in God's eyesight, it's still disobedience. God expects when he say it, for you to obey it. And parents, you know what I'm talking about. If you got kids, well, parents, if you have kids, parents do have kids because you wouldn't be a parent if you didn't have kids. So parents, <laughs> with your children, when you give them an instruction, you expect them to obey that instruction. If they delay in their obedience, it's still disobedience unto you. I told you to take out the trash where I was going to. I didn't tell you to go to take it out. I say take out the trash. I want to hear about what you were going to do. I need you to do it when I tell you to do it. Oh, God. I feel like this is a parental seminar. (laughs) You know. So when you delay in your obedience, God still looks at it as disobedience. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. God expects what he says. He expects us to obey. And watch this. God does not say a thing unless he intend on you fulfilling the thing that he has said. God just don't use idle or vain words he don't just say stuff just to say it you know we have idle conversations we just talk about anything we're really sometimes no point or no validity of anything we just talk there's really no point to the conversation we just but every word that God speaks God speaks with purpose. Oh, God, I feel your Holy Ghost. Everything that God said, watch this. That's why his word, when it go forth, it don't come back void to it. Because every word that God speaks, God speaks with purpose. And when he speaks, he expects it to come back and to manifest. That's why every time you read the word of God, God expects you to obey what you read. Hallelujah. So. What he said shall come to pass. And what he said will happen when it's supposed to happen. And what he said, he expects you to obey. But hear this. Don't get caught looking. Don't get caught looking. Don't get caught looking. So baseball was my choice of sports, my favorite. I played basketball, football, ran track, played tennis, boxed. But baseball was my love. And there'll be times where you're on the base and you're just looking and you're just watching and you get thrown out. Why? Because you're just looking, but you weren't looking in the right direction. Or you're at the batter's plate and the pitcher throws the ball and you just look at the ball, strike. 
strike. Strike. You got caught looking because you refused to swing the bat. What am I saying to you tonight? Don't get caught up looking. Don't get caught up looking at what's happening around you, what's happening to you. Watch this. Don't even get caught up looking in the sky, wondering when it's going to crack open. Because everybody wants to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Everybody wants to hear that. So we're looking, waiting to hear that. But in order to hear well done, we must be well doing. Can't just be on the sideline looking. Don't get caught looking. We got a lot of lookers in church. Let me say again, because y'all got a little lisp sometimes, not hookers, a lot of lookers. <laughs> L. Oh. Don't get caught looking. Coming to church just looking. Going through life just looking. And watch this, not even looking like a Christian. Just looking. Not even living life like a Christian, just looking. Looking at other people, people watching, judging their lives, condemning them for their actions, spending more time looking at them than looking at yourself. Spend more time talking about what they did instead of what you should be doing. Y'all. More more time judging them on what they should be doing when you ain't doing nothing. Talking about what they should be doing when you ain't doing nothing. Don't get caught looking. Don't get caught looking. Don't get caught out there on the street. Just looking. You know, if you go in the hood just looking. People can identify lookers. They know who belongs there and who don't. You know, when tourists go in the cities, they just looking. Wow, that big old building. Wow, wow. Wow, look at that. Hey, can you take a picture of me? Taking selfies. Just looking. And the world can identify a looker. They can identify those who belong and who don't. They can identify who's his and who's not. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Satan knows the sheep from the goat, the wheat from the tear. He knows who belongs to God and who don't. And he's just looking for those who are just looking and say, oh, that's the one. That's the one I want right there. Yep, that's the one right there. He's just a looker. He kind of looked apart, have a form. Of godliness, but denying the power thereof. He looked apart, but really can't act apart. He, he, he got the right sound, but don't have the right. Y'all quiet. But tell your neighbor, I'm the one. See, when it comes down to battling Satan, tell him, you got to look nowhere else. You got the right one. You got the right one. You, you, you ain't got to go to the left, to the right. You ain't got to go here, there. You pick the right one. Come on, Ray Charles. Uh-huh. You got the right one, baby. Uh-huh. Yeah, the blinded eye shall be open. The deaf ears shall hear. The lame 
shall walk. The mute shall talk. The dead shall be risen. The lost shall be found. The ones in darkness shall walk in marvelous light. Why? Because I am the one based upon not any of my own grandeur or goodness, based upon what he has done. And because what he has done, I am now the one. Y'all quiet up in here. I I am the one, not because of my own self-righteousness, how good I am or none of that. I am only the righteousness of God because the one who was right died for me. I am the one. God says his eyes go through and forth throughout the earth looking for one who will intercede and pray. Looking for one. And we have a hard time staying up to pray just one hour. <laughs> 30 minutes. 15 minutes. I'm the one. God, if you wake me up, And you say pray, I'm going to obey. If you wake me up at 3 in the morning, you say go, I'm going to go. If you wake me up at 4 in the morning and you say go give, I'm going to give. I'm going to obey because I'm the one. I don't want you to look for another God. Whatever you're doing in this season, thank you, Paul Martin. God, please don't do it without me. Whatever you're doing, God, I want to be included. I'm the one, God. Don't look to the left nor the right, God. When you say, look, here I am, God, send me. Here I am, God, send me. Do we have any others in the house that would say, here I am, God, send me? Will anyone else be bold enough to make that declaration? I'm the one. I'm, I'm the one. God, use me to lay hand on the sick so that they shall recover. God, I'm the one. Use me to lay hand on the blind that their sight can be restored. God, use me to lay hands on those, God, who have sickness and disease and it flees from their bodies. God, I'm the one. Send me. It starts and it finishes with your obedience. It starts and it finishes with your obedience. With your heads bowed on tonight. This process begins with obedience. He said, if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you know your salvation comes at this cost as well, the cost of obedience. Jesus obeyed even unto death. He gave his life in obedience. If you're here tonight, And you found yourself in delayed obedience. You know God told you to move, but you made a decision that you're going to move later. Really in your heart you want to, but just you just hadn't done it yet. You know God has spoken some things to your life for you to do. You just hadn't done it yet. You got caught up in the vicissitudes and the cares of life. You allow the wind of life to blow you to and fro. You allow the trials of life to surmount and become so magnanimous in your life that you can only focus on them, that you hear the noise. You hear more what Satan is shouting than the quiet whisper of God's voice. You're here tonight. You find yourself in that delayed cycle of obedience unto God.
to and say, tonight I'm breaking the cycle. God, tonight I'm going to obey you. Tonight, God, it starts right now. I know what I did in the past and what I didn't do, what I failed to do. But right now, God, I'm deciding tonight to obey you at your word. Tonight's the night, God. That's you tonight. You've been in this delayed cycle of obedience. You say tonight I'm breaking the cycle. That's you. Lift your hand now. I see you, sir. I see you, ma'am. I believe there's others tonight. There's others tonight that will say I'm stuck. I see you. There's others that will say I'm stuck. God, I know what you want me to do, but it's difficult, God. I know what you have said, God, but it's hard. I know the price I have to pay, but I really don't want to pay it. God, wait, God, can I see you? God, God, give me more time, God. Let, let, me, let me get stronger in your word. Let me accomplish some things, God. Let me do some things, God. I'll do it, God, if you give me time. I see you. God saying, listen, I don't want to wait because no man knows the day or the hour. You don't know when I'll return. If you would just obey me now, if you would obey me now, I'll give you the strength that is needed for you to fulfill the will that I have for your life. I'll give you everything you need if you would just obey. I would equip you and provide for you everything if you would simply obey, because I won't give you an instruction unless I give you provision. I won't expect you to do something that I have not equipped or provided for you to do. You have all spiritual blessings. I have everything you need. But I need one thing from you. I need your obedience. That's the one thing that I can't give you. And that's the one thing I need. Is your obedience. Is there any other tonight that would say, that's me tonight, I'm breaking the cycle. Of delayed obedience. Any others? Any others? Thank you, Father. All standing to your feet on tonight. With both hands lifted, everyone in this sanctuary. If you're online tonight, I'm talking to you tonight as well. Would you lift your hands in your homes, in the coffee shop, or wherever you are online? With both hands lifted. It's a sign of yielding and surrendering unto God. Is the police officer who, come, officer who comes to accost you, he says, put your hands up. In other words, I'm surrendering. My life is out of my hands and I'm placing my life in your hands, God. So tonight, God, whatever you say, I obey. Would you make that your declaration tonight with me? Would you say, God, whatever you say, I obey. Whatever you say, do, God, I'll do. Wherever you say, God, go, I'll go. Tonight I surrender to you. I surrender my will. I surrender my way. God, have your way. In Jesus' name. Now, would you clap your hands and give God some praise? For those of you online tonight, you have not given your life to Christ, and even here in the sanctuary, you want to make a declaration that Jesus is not only the Savior of your life, but the Lord of your life. That's you and those online. For those of you in the sanctuary, if you want to 
accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, backslidden, coming back home, getting it right, would you place your hand in the air for those of you online? Just hashtag save me in the box below on Facebook. Just comment in the box, save me in the box below. If you're standing in need of prayer, just simply dial 225-953-7002. If you want to make a decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior on tonight. For those of you online, thank you for joining in with us. I pray that this word has been a blessing. Hashtag saves me in the box below. God, we thank you. God, we bless you. We speak blessings over the lives of those you online tonight. Sister Kendra, God bless you. Sister Sharon, Makisha, God bless you. Brother Sam, God bless you guys. Amen. Bless you. Thank you for tuning in. Amen. Well, it's that time of the service that we get to honor God and bless God in our giving. Amen. For those of you online tonight, you can join in with us in our giving, simply uh, giving by electronic means. If you don't have a church home, for those of you online, you can simply uh, text the word join. Amen. To 225-361-2016. Uh, for those of you who don't have a church home, and then for those of you who want to join in with us in our giving, on this evening, you can also give electronically, amen, simply, amen, by texting 84321, any amount to that number. For those of you in the sanctuary, if you did not receive an envelope upon your entry, lift your hand. We want to give everyone an opportunity to participate in giving, amen. It is uh, in our giving, watch this, as we give, it benefits us more than it does the place we're giving. Hallelujah. I'm going to say that again. It is in your giving, it benefits you more than that which you're giving to. Ah, somebody shall break it down, apostle. Okay, I'm going to break it all the way down. When you give, it benefits you more than the place you give. Because you give in an amount, but it is returned back to you in a greater amount. I'm not giving my money to the church. No, no, don't look at the church. Look at how you benefit from what you give. It is the ground that when you place a seed in the ground, you put one seed in the ground, but that one seed yields you an abundant harvest off of that one seed. It benefits you more than the ground. The ground receives one, but you give back a bushel, a multitude. So in your giving, you have to look at it from the perspective of, okay, God, I give, but watch what I get in return. That is the blessing. So now God gives even more back to you. Why? Because he gives back to you with a purpose. He gives you more seed so that now you can sow more seed and be more of a blessing. So the benefit is far greater than the sacrifice. Somebody shout that. The benefit is far greater than the sacrifice. Jesus gave his life so that many could live. If a seed falls to the ground and does not die, it abides alone. I'm in the book, John, chapter 15. But if it does, then it produces a multitude of harvest. It was speaking of the life of Jesus. Jesus said, if I die as this seed in the ground, you put me in the ground. You think you burying me is the end of me? You put me in the ground is just the beginning. <laughs> you think. 
say by taking my life that it's going to be over with, you take my life, that means multitudes of lives are going to come into existence from this one life. The one seed. The one sacrifice. 